0: hello and welcome to episode 143 of effect kantai kessen my name is matthew
1: and i'm dave and we've got as always a uh, action packed show for you today um, we will later on be explaining the uh, the meaning of kantai kessen Mm-hmm. Uh, so it isn't just a random couple of words we picked out of thin air for the episode's title today
0: But we could, we could just choose two alliterative words every episode and just that's <laughs> we, could, think yeah. that.
1: <laughs> we could, and then pretend that it's really clever And then write an article just, about <laughs> those two words <laughs> yeah, But actually it's just two completely random words we've made up off the top of our head But this case isn't the case, um, and you'll find out later So um, what do we have in the show today? We have, um, as as becoming usual, which is brilliant, we've got a couple of new patrons to thank for for their support. We'll talk a little bit about our actual play. I think there are people out there who maybe don't recognise it's around, so we want to just talk about that and what we've got on that for any listeners who are interested in actual plays. World of Gaming, a few things there to talk about, something big that's coming up in the next week or so. Then, following on from um, some uh, an article we did a few weeks ago uh, about other fan-made content on the Free League Workshop. So we've got a couple of things there we're going to talk briefly about. Then we've got your essay, Matt, about Havale, or Hawala mm. banking in the Third Horizon, which sounds really interesting. We've got some stuff to talk about, Tales of the Old West. We've done some more playtesting. We've had some excellent feedback from one of our expert, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. patrons, so we can talk a little bit about that. And then over the last few episodes, I've promised and repeatedly failed to talk about the HMS Yamato. You've only
0: failed in the... for one
1: episode. Two? We, well, no, no, no. I mean, two episodes ago. We got, we got ago. bumped. We got, I got bumped oh, two episodes okay, ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And then the last episode, I just hadn't got around to doing it. But this episode, I have. So we've got a little piece by me on the HMS Yamato from the... Three World Empire in Alien. So, action-packed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's and, crack uh, on. I guess we should crack on with a thank you to two, two, count them, two new mm. patrons this month. And you're Ooh. right, you know, the fact that this is becoming a regular thing, that we're, we're, we're saying thank you to new patrons every episode, it feels really good. Really it's good. It's
1: brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, we are... Immensely grateful to all our past, current and any future patrons that decide to come and support us. It's um, it, it's enormously appreciated.
0: Yeah. And um, I, when we're talking about future patrons as well, I should say that perhaps our, um, if you're interested in what we do on our streaming, uh, which is really something we're doing very amateurishly at the moment and simply mm. because lockdown happened. But our next target is to um, professionalise our streaming a bit make it a little bit yes. better and actually put it on twitch so if you want to support that then come and join the happy crew but we've already got mm-hmm. a couple of people that have joined us both i think relatively long-term listeners who've um who've uh, decided to put their money where their mouth is where their ears mm-hmm. are put their money <laughs> anyway uh anyway uh, one of those is uh, i know from the old days of the Coriolis forum when that was pretty much the only thing that was on uh, free leagues uh, forum site And that's Dave Thompson, David Thompson. So thank you, David. And and welcome you again. And I'm going to probably mispronounce uh, this name because he's from Denmark. And um, I shared uh, on on Facebook recently um, uh, a wonderful sketch from Norway where they say that even the Danish don't know how to pronounce Danish. (laughs) And they make it all up on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, Lasse Borli... Is uh, from Denmark. I hope I didn't mangle your name too much, and uh, he has joined us. So thank you,
1: Lasse. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Lasse and uh, David.
0: And um, Lasse actually raised an interesting point, which is why I want to spend a couple of moments talking about the AEP. So, of course, one of the things, even at a basic level, and uh, your two pound a month, you get access to our Discord. Which is a great place where, um, at the moment, people are talking about cars they own and don't own. But but we also <laughs> yeah. talk about games but, yeah, and the,
1: stuff. The, the conversations aren't always that boring, honestly. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs>
0: um, uh, and Alasse said, "Oh, you know, are you doing any more uh, actual plays of uh, Forbidden Lands?" And I said, yeah, Lands, "Yeah, yeah, we've got another couple of episodes coming up. You know, in fact, one has already hit now as we're recording this on Friday morning." I've just realised that one has gone live and I haven't shared that, so I must do that as soon as we finish recording. Uh, and another one next week. Um, and I, I need I a new, I need here. a new
1: technical supervisor for the podcast. <laughs> you just, you're, you're not, you're not it's really a on the It's the social media are, manager are we need now.
0: <laughs> you know, it's up there. It's, it's happened. It all happened automatically because my technical skills are fine.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the social media remembering, mm. and I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man. <laughs> well, actually, it's
1: it's your memory that's the problem isn't it yes. nothing else it's just, just it. your old and senile I'm
0: 53. <laughs> um uh, and uh where were we yeah so let's i was asking plays. um about the actual plays and i said yeah we've got another couple of episodes and he said oh that's really good because i'm really uh, rocking the uh the stronghold stuff you're doing and i thought he doesn't know. That was we, ages we've, ago. We've left the <laughs> stronghold, <laughs> and so I carefully said, "Oh, you know, um, what, what episode are you up to, or something?" And then he said, "Oh, episode seven, or something like that." And I thought, "Ah, so he's waiting for it to appear on our mainstream, like we used to do." But again, one of the things, one of the one of the objectives we set when we when we started uh, Patreon was the objective of splitting out those feeds, because I think. To be really honest, fewer people enjoy the APs as enjoy a magazine show. And to have your, you know, if if you're listening to a feed because it's got the magazine show on it and it keeps getting interrupted with APs that you might want to ignore. That you're not interested in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we wanted to split those out. uh, And we moved to a new host when we could afford to do so because of the generosity of our patrons. And we have our own separate feed now for our APs. An episode pretty much coming out every week of the year for the last few months at least um and we're doing all sorts of stuff there we started off with your brilliant alien ap but we're carrying on with uh, um, yeah that was
1: aurora wasn't it yeah
0: yeah we we but we also finished off the um uh the song to the siren adventure on there mm. um
1: for coriolis yeah
0: and uh, we're doing, obviously, we're carrying on with Forbidden Lands there. We're up to something like episode 16 or something and that now, I think. And um, and you've got a new alien coming up as well, which is quite an interesting one.
1: In so we've got, time. we've got loads. So uh, just for those who are listening and are scratching their heads, so uh, go to www.effectap.org and then you will find everything there. Effect, effect with obviously, a K, of course. With a K, the <laughs> Swedish way. So we've got, in the can, waiting to be edited, we've got um, Alien Destroyer of Worlds. We have some Tales of the Old West playtests, which we'll put out at some point. We have, um, I've been doing my own little Star Trek Year Zero, and we've been doing some playtests of space battles in that, and I've recorded those, so we might put those out at some point if... Um, If on second listening, they're worth putting out in case people are interested. So we have got enough content for months. And then we've got... uh, Well, if we're moving on to sort of World of Gaming a little bit, there is, um, in a couple of weeks, or in fact from the point of recording, uh, eight days. So Saturday the 26th, I am running uh, Alien Home Sweet Home, which is going to be run for the Free League Showcase which is a weekend of Free League goodness, which also, um, Matthew, you're uh, you're involved with as well, aren't you?
0: Yeah, so on Friday, I'm away for most of the weekend, uh, or otherwise engaged, but on Friday, I'm dropping into the workshop to run Summer in December, which um, is my Vason scenario that uh, Free League asked me to write. And um, that's not its first airing. Some of our listeners may have, or some of our watchers may have seen it before, but, um, so
1: likewise, I think Home Sweet Home, this isn't the first airing either. We did do a playtest on YouTube, I think, did we put it up on YouTube ages ago. And it's definitely, and we've put it out as an AP as well, haven't we? Home Sweet Home,
0: did that come out as I an AP? I think we yes, did. Yes, it did. I think so. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting because that's gone through a number of different iterations. So the YouTube one was first, then you did an AP with your home group, didn't you, Dave?
1: Yep. Which was the last game we had face-to-face before lockdown.
0: Yes. And then... Oh, well, so... Oh, but yeah, uh, yes. So you recorded that before lockdown. Yeah. But then we did the, the, the YouTube version after lockdown, because that was in response to lockdown. All oh, our no YouTubing has been...
1: <laughs> that was our, our little patron convention that we held. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah,
0: more news on um, that later on as well. Um, and this will be the first official version
1: Yes, so it has it has changed a little bit. I've been working on it. It's um, it's it's hopefully going to be good. I'm not sure if I can announce anything else about it quite no. yet. Well, oh, I think League. we
0: could potentially say that uh, Free League have done some artwork for us. Can we?
1: Don't, I I guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah. So hopefully there'll be more we can announce um at the Free League showcase. Yes. So make sure you tune in and tune in and listen but there's loads of other stuff um sweden rolls is doing some stuff
0: our friends uh doug uh doug from victory condition gaming is doing some stuff there's interviews
1: doug's doing quite a lot of the organization as well in terms of the sort of technical pumping the stuff out onto the air which is brilliant thanks doug um yeah there's there's lots of interviews for lots of games
0: uh yeah and we've got uh uh Anjali, who is a friend of the show as well, uh, she's running some Tales from the... Oh, no, Things from the Flood, I think she's running on the Sunday. Uh, So yeah, lots to listen to, or lots to watch. It's on YouTube, and I'm just realising, we should have perhaps checked before we started recording, is it also going to be on their new Twitch
1: channel? I suspect it will be. Yeah. Kind of, what's the point of getting the channel up and running if you're not going to use it for this showcase? So, I, strong, I strongly suspect it's going to be on the Free League Twitch channel and it's also going to be on YouTube um, through Victory Condition Gaming.
0: Yeah. And, well, no, I think it's going to be on the Free League's YouTube channel.
1: Uh, well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, as so well, I think yeah. it's going to be
1: broadcast on multiple platforms. So, however yes. you like to get your um, Free League content, you can take your pick. And there's
0: more detail, if you're on um, if you're on Free League's mailing list, there's more detail there, and also on Facebook, on their page on Facebook as well. And on yeah. our page on Facebook, because we are co-hosting with with Victory Condition Gaming and Sweden Rolls and...
1: And Free League. And Free League. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and then again, um, uh, I don't think we've got much other World Gaming news, but uh, we've got another great weekend uh, coming up shortly after then. Uh, I'm not entirely sure when, but I think it's going to be the third date so that you can come, Dave. It's very close between the second and third date. Oui. So middle of October, we're going to be running another one of our exclusive mini-cons for our patrons. So if you want to join in yes. and you're not a patron, then come and join us on the on our patron. <laughs> uh, Indeed. Uh, on patron. Um, but yeah, we, we did this first of all... Um, in,
1: back in April in April
0: yeah. after lockdown had just started happening and we had such great fun that our patrons have kind of gone you know it's about six months since you've done that should we be doing that again
1: let's do it again yeah <laughs> um,
0: so that's uh, we're changing the name this time last time it was COVID Con, but Covid's kind of old news and a bit boring and you
1: know <laughs> and it's not kind of the connotation and... we want We want <laughs> to have with our with our convention
0: <laughs> so this time we're going to call it con with a K yes uh, And uh, we will tell you more about that as the date nears. But it looks like being the middle of October. And for actual numbers, I'll just look at my calendar to work out what that actually means. That would be the weekend of the 16th, 17th and 18th of October.
1: But yeah, so if you're interested in joining us, then all you have to do is come and join us on Patreon. Uh, And as Matt said, I think the, the, the entry level is $2 a month, so... You'd love to see you there, so come along. Come along and join us if you're interested in, in joining Connect Convention.
0: Yes. Right. Cool. What's the next thing on our list? Oh, I forgot. Workshop
1: products. Workshop. Ah. So free league workshop. Um. So we weren't going to talk about this until you mentioned it just before we started recording because of a couple of things that have cropped up, and it seemed like a really good idea. So tell me, Matthew, what um what have you seen? Okay. That's that's prompted you to want to talk about it today.
0: There's one thing from one of our patrons, which is a Tailson and the Loop scenario that I'm going to let you talk about in a moment. But first of all, I want to talk about something that grabbed my attention when I was browsing the workshop. And this is the first, as far as I can see, entirely non-branded, year zero engine, but brand new system, brand new setting. And it is called Superhero Zero. It is by somebody whose name I've forgotten. I'm going to have to quickly look up.
1: Um, <laughs> You're so well prepared, aren't you, Matt?
0: Well, I was, but then I've just moved away from it. Uh, Peter Holland uh, has written Superhero Zero. It's, um, shall we say, a no bells and whistles document at the moment. And that's possibly reflected in the price, which is pay what you want with a suggested price of free. And it is a version of uh, Free League Workshops. Um, no, sorry. Free leagues, uh, year zero OGL version, uh, same format and everything there, uh, but adapted to um, to be superheroes. Yeah, and interesting. I thought it was an interesting interesting for two reasons. One, because you know we're doing our own sort of hack of the year zero system for our Western game, and I wanted to buy it to yep. look at what what he's doing differently. But I thought superheroes is a really interesting one to. Uh, genre to tackle in year zero
1: it's certainly one of those that when i was sort of you know thinking about the things i'd like to do in year zero superheroes is one of them for sure um along with a star trek system that actually felt like star trek <coughs> sorry <laughs> Star, star trek so fans. <laughs> um
0: yeah so uh, and uh, i i don't know how it plays i've only i picked it up uh, day before yesterday I've not had much time to read. I haven't really read it all the way through. Uh, looking at it though, it uses pretty much every mechanic available in year zero. It's got uh, the polyhedral dice um and the D eight, D ten and D twelve mm. from Forbidden yeah. Lands. Uh, you know, and they're kind of superhero dice uh, for when you do extraordinary stuff. It's got um it's got willpower points, but I think it calls them resolve points, which I thought actually was in because of the way that willpower works in in um, in forbidden lands is actually a better name for willpower resolve,
1: <laughs> but there we go. Um, it's quite a good one, isn't it? Because it, it 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 implies something that's a bit more active. If you see what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you you know, you have willpower, but you, I don't know, you 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 use resolve almost. You know, if you say yeah,
0: something. yeah, but, and yeah. and it's the sort of thing that you know. When, when, you, when you injure yourself by pushing, which is effectively how you earn willpower in Forbidden Lands, you get more resolute, I feel. Mm. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. Um, it's got some I interesting agree. sort of superhero archetypes. It talks about, um, well, it's got a lot of them, actually. Uh, acrobats, is it, Bruisers, is it, is it, the Feral. Is it,
1: heavily, is it heavily influenced by Marvel?
0: do you think no i think what i think about it is you, you you can see all the archetypes from from both of the two big superhero houses but i reckon i could yeah. create 2000 ad zenith in here as well um cool and and characters from that and if i were doing a story I, as i was reading it i was thinking you know i don't know if you know the the strip zenith but it's kind of superheroes meet Cthulhu. Um, and uh, you I think you could do that in here, probably.
1: Yeah. So I mean, my, my kind of superhero experiences back in the day with um, Villains and Vigilantes, which I really enjoyed, I thought was a nice, a really good sort of entry system into that. And this was going back into the... Ooh, oh, into the
0: Dark Ages. 80s. <laughs> yes. Back into
1: the 80s, probably. Um, and then obviously Golden Heroes was a high point uh, of superhero role-playing. But I love both of those games. They're both quite different and I think yeah, I... um if you wanted if you wanted a deeper role playing experience then Golden Heroes is is the one for you. If you if you're interested in a bit more action then Villains of Vigilantes fitted that bill really well. Mm. Um, but I like the idea of superheroes. Ha- we haven't played a superhero game for a long time. I think partly sort of influenced a little bit by a um a computer game which is called City of Heroes. Oh yes. And and there was a companion game called city of villains and the good thing about that particularly was the the character generation so you could create pretty much anything there was such a wide variety which is great because then you know that, that allows you to uh, you know create all sorts of different characters that rather than just just stock standard stereotypes but that, that that's kind of got me feeling a little bit hmm I'd like I quite like to do a bit of superhero playing again
0: Oh, well, maybe we could give this a spin at some point and um, just mm. see how it works. I, so uh, no pretty pictures, no pictures of superheroes. I would say, uh, Peter, I'm going to address you here. I don't know if you're a listener, but I, I hope you are. Um, I'm curious about your decision to put it onto the Free League Workshop for two reasons. Uh, I guess, you know, the Free League Workshop, you've got a market there. People are interested in the Year Zero system. But you're also paying for that privilege, you're paying not just drive through RPG, but you're paying um, Free League for the use of their IPs. But you're not using any of their IPs here. They've given away the open game license to the Year Zero engine, so they're not expecting payment for people using those games. And if you were on uh, Year Zero, you... sorry. sorry,
1: I just dropped. <laughs> I just <laughs> I dropped talking- my. I just dropped my Borg sphere on the floor. (laughs) Your
0: Borg sphere's dropped. Is it broken?
1: I just... Yeah, and it's it's a euphemism, by the way.
0: (laughs) We might have to edit that out.
1: (laughs) I noticed that my Borg sphere was dusty, so now I was trying to dust (laughs) it, and I dropped dropped it. Hold on, you're polishing your (laughs)
0: spheres while I'm talking. (laughs)
1: I don't know about this.
0: I don't know about this at all. There
1: might there might be an edit coming on here. You never know. Uh, I'm gonna... the, 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 the moral of the story is: leave your Borg spheres alone unless you're in your, in private. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, oh me Borg dear, spheres. Oh
0: <laughs> but and, Peter, anyway. coming back to you, I was going to say Sorry. if you you could sell mm. this. On your own account on drive through, you're still paying them their 30%, but you're not, um, you'd be getting more than 50% of your money. But at the same time, I can see this is a playtest document. You're not asking any money for it. And so I feel, uh, guys, uh, listeners, go out there and get it and have a look at it, everybody, um, and help Peter turn it into uh, a thing that he can actually sell if that is his desire. Right, I'll cool. oh, shut up now. The other <laughs> thing comes from one of our patrons.
1: Yes, um, Shakespeare's Monkeys, uh, a uh, tales from the loop scenario by uh, our friend of the show, Thomas. Yeah, he asked me a while ago to have a little look at it before he put it out, just to just to cast a, have another another eye on it. And um, I'm delighted to see that it's up and out there now because it's a lovely little scenario. It's got some nice little ideas to it and some nice little sort of bittersweet potentially endings that you could you could reach. And I won't go into too much detail, yeah, but it's it's, um, it's it's quite a short little thing, but it's it would easily run for a nice a nice session, and you know there's plenty of opportunity to take the basic idea and run it longer if you wanted to. There's yeah, and there's a nice there's a nice a really nice story behind it, which um, if it doesn't tug on your heartstrings at some point, then you're you're a robot. But yes, yeah, so it's called Shakespeare's Monkeys. It's um it's up and available on the workshop, um so give it a go. I don't know what its pricing is. Well, it, again,
0: it's pay what uh, you want. His suggested price and what we pay for it is four dollars ninety five. Um, it's um, it's nine pages long, uh, which puts it in a sort of medium level of value for money if you count cents per page. Um, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of artwork in there, some nice maps. Um, it's laid out in on the free league template, so yeah, it looks yeah. lovely. Um, it could be worth a buy if you're looking for um Tales and loop scenarios. It is set in Australia, an Australian loop because Thomas is Australian, um, <laughs> but he, he, you know, it could be set anywhere actually. I
1: yeah, think. I mean, and I would say when Thomas is a, he's got a very very good um, role playing mind. And the reason I say that is he's been helping us um, with the Star Trek Year Zero playtests we've been doing. So we've been having to do those on a Sunday morning so he can join us. Um, That's been fine. But um, the group as a whole has given loads of feedback and made the Starship Battle system, which is what we've been testing, much, much better and really refined it. But Thomas has come up with a couple of really good ideas in that. And... He's got a very good gaming mind, so um, you know, having applied that to Shakespeare's Monkeys, I think if you get it, you're in for a, you're in for, you, you know you know you're getting a, a product from someone who's got a really good role playing brain and knows how to make a good game.
0: Cool, excellent. Well, that sounds almost like a recommendation, and I thought we weren't having <laughs> to recommend.
1: Anyway, but... I, I wouldn't possibly recommend it's entirely up to um listeners and i said we're not a review show but just saying like, thomas is a person he is he is a a great example of a really good role-playing person with a great role-playing mind
0: excellent maybe we can get him to run it for us during um during uh, connect
1: yeah that's a good idea yeah we'll that's a really him. good idea in fact okay should we move hmm. on what are we doing okay. next Oh, I think you have got an essay for me, haven't you?
0: Yes. So uh, this is something we didn't presage last week. We said, oh, we'll do something vaguely Coriolisy," I think. And um, <laughs> it's actually an idea that's been knocking about in my head for some time. And as soon as we'd finished the last programme, I kind of went, well, let's do it. And so um, it's about banking. Sorry, it's not very <laughs> exciting, but it's I think I'm, I'm making it quite exciting in the approach I've taken.
1: No, it's really boring. So skip on six or seven oi, minutes, oi, guys. Oi, 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 <laughs> I'm clapping, <laughs> I'm clapping. This is the quiet
0: bit. Have a listen. Here, where we live on old al Arda, we have become used to the convenience of modern banking. The recent COVID-related changes have encouraged an accelerated adoption of contactless technologies a little like the money tags in the third horizon. But our world is small, the distance is tiny and complex transactions don't take long to travel. Now most of us carry a computer in our pockets and can send money to a friend on the other side of the world seemingly instantaneously. Each world in the third horizon may have networks and transfer technologies that are just as quick. I am sure it takes moments to transfer money from Coriolis itself to the monolith on Kua, for example. But when we start talking about transfers across systems, or between systems, the speed of light becomes an issue. Money cannot break the laws of physics. Instantaneous communication of data is just not possible so the modern banking systems that we think of today just aren't up to the job. However, the Third Horizon has access to a tried and tested alternative, one that started in 8th century India, when communications along the Silk Road were just as slow as they would be across the Third Horizon. Haveli works like this. It is the day of settlement and your group must facilitate their regular payment on their ship loan but they are 3 portals away from their generous benefactor all they need to do is find a local haveladar or money broker give them the burr and the details of who it is intended for if their creditor needs the money on that day they will visit their local haveladar who will give them a sum on trust that the group will have paid another haveladar somewhere in the horizon and effectively they are owed the money by that haveladar trust is an important factor here and there is very little paperwork involved indeed the word havelach is synonymous with the word trust in many languages it is considered somewhat rude but not entirely unacceptable to even ask for a receipt when you make your deposit with a haveladar Sometimes, however, there does need to be some security and passing of authentication between different havelidars. The first level of security is to choose your havelidar from your trusted network. All first-come factions maintain their own Haveladar networks and among the Zenithians only the consortium and hegemony mistrust the very concept of Havelich. All the faction networks are interoperable, money can be exchanged between them. The largest and most used, especially for interfaction exchange, is that of the syndicate. Indeed, there are those that say that without its Havela network, the syndicate would be nothing more than local criminal gangs and crime lords. And thus, the syndicate is its Havela network. The consortium tries to maintain what it calls a civilised banking system via the bulletin's communication network, but to do any real business it resorts to havelé, and it is the syndicate's biggest customer. The Zenithian hegemony, however, generally does not use havelé, and its propagandists like to talk about the way it enables crime, tax evasion and political unrest. The second level of security is a complex system of verbal code poetry that Haveladars use to authenticate their own communications. While generally the system works on trust, sometimes one may have to resort to a distant Haveladar one has not worked with before, or send someone to a Haveladar they don't know. And of course, that Haveladar is unlikely to hand out money to someone who comes in off the street. So, Sometimes a creditor will be given a code phrase to use to identify themselves as the legitimate recipient of the money. By necessity, given the slow speed of travel between systems, such phrases are exchanged among Haveladars in advance, and usually they are two-part ciphers to ensure that if a transmission of codes is intercepted, it can't be used on its own to defraud the Haveladar for whom it is intended. Traditionally, the two parts of the cipher are sung, not written down, and for generations, families of talented song poets have served the Haveladar community as code couriers called Angadiers. What happens when it goes wrong, when the intended recipient doesn't get their money? Well, first of all, the recipient always gets their money. The debt is between two Haveladars, and the Haveladars... Don't cheat each other, not even when two different factions are involved. So, they work together to see where the failure of communication, as it is euphemistically known, occurred. They will likely enlist investigators to help. The nature of these investigators varies by faction. The Free League and the Nomads use private investigators, but most of the first-come factions have their own investigative systems. The syndicate is unusual. They use their own Angadias, who possess not only beautiful soprano voices, but the tools and authorization to collect the debt by any means necessary. The very least anyone who is caught cheating the Havela system can expect is ostracization, loss of faction standing and previous friends and allies turning their backs to them. Of course they are no longer able to use the Havela network to move Burr and for most sensible people this is deterrent enough. Debtors are rarely killed. It is more difficult to get your money back from dead people but that does not mean that anyone who owes Burr to the syndicate can relax on the day of settlement.
1: Well thanks Matt that was uh, actually much more interesting than I, I i thought it was or maybe I kind of nerded off halfway through and it just
0: it, it was in very it. interesting
1: <laughs> it was it was it was very good and I think you know it, it's interesting isn't it that the idea of 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 Havala or hawala banking in the third horizon is actually a really obvious one yes and it fits really well um and of, of course the i guess in system or on particular big conurbations and gatherings of people your more traditional banking systems are going to work fine in those isolated silos but running that banking system across the horizon is going to be another thing entirely yeah absolutely for the and certainly for the average person who you know maybe the banks are just dealing with mega amounts of money the average person getting your money across the horizon to your um uncle Um, Ahmed in Dabaran when you live on Zalos or something Mm. that's not going to be an easy thing to do and so I think this fits really nicely Hold on, a Zalosian with an
0: uncle on Dabaran, what's going on there?
1: Well I know, I know, I know (laughs) I I was just trying to pluck one out at the end, I said (laughs) Zalos and maybe not
0: But yeah, unless you fly there with a tag uh, you know, that seems to be the only way of doing it a tag full of cash as it were Um, unless you have a system like Indeed.
1: I guess I mean you, you could you could do that, but then our our tags, more, you know, like cash. So if you're taking a hundred thousand bur across the horizon in a tag and you get mugged, can somebody hack your tag and nick your money?
0: Oh, I think so. Um, Absolutely, I think the yeah. tags tags specifically are unpersonalised, as it were. So yeah. yeah, and in fact, I seem to remember a character that you playing picking up his best friend's best friend's daughter's tag and uh,
1: pocketing it (laughs) Expenses, dear boy Expenses And I had no money at all yeah, at the time. Yeah, you had time. no money, so it's yes, because you spent justified. It all on weapons, yes. Um, and if she, if she... Well, yeah, hang on, hang on. In that scenario, I've been pumped into space in the search for this woman. <laughs> so a few a, you know, a few hundred burr is neither here nor there. Yeah,
0: but you. that... that, that you, Well, bro. it was a couple of thousand burr, I seem to remember, and that was wow. long before you were pumped into space. Maybe, maybe the being pumped into space, the uh, getting your ship blown up, uh, all of
1: that is karma. <laughs> Picking up uh, a poor
0: student's tag. it's not like
1: students are rich. <laughs> no, that's true, that's true. So, if it, if it's karma, then you're going to take away some of those darkness points for that happening.
0: No, no, that we've done well. Up. I have, well, I mean,
1: you can't, you can't call it karma. Then I spent darkness, darkness
0: points, points on those things happening at the time, and, <laughs> and I've I'm, still got I'm, plenty left. I
1: know, I know. Um, anyway, back to hoala banking. So, I think I love the idea of the um. The, the Ag... No, not Agadors. Um, Agadors. Yeah. Um, what <laughs> that? That was that? I think we decided that. Doctor well. Who. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Agador was a great big furry monster with a with a, like a unicorn's horn on its head that was falsely accused, I think, of killing people. Mm. Uh, in... Um, oh, it's a John Pertwee episode. I think there was two of them yes, as well. The Curse of Peladon. Um, Pel- Curse of Peladon. Yeah. Um, and the other one, I'm not sure what the other one was called, but there was another one when, when, when the Agador was friendly. 'cause they realised he was friendly after all. Anyway, um the Angadias. Angadias? Angadias, Ang- I think is how I'm pronounced. Angadius. Yeah, I like again, that's got a very Matthew Third Horizon feel to it. So I like I like that very much. But I guess the key thing, which you know is 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 you know, as you say, it gives a justification for the syndicate. Absolutely.
0: Be... This it all comes together. You 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 have heard me rant about how poorly conceived the syndicate are because there's no purpose to their existence apart from um,
1: it's, it's, it's not that there's no purpose, I think, but it's it's that they are what's the purpose for them having a horizon wide exactly. network of yes. vehicles? And having the syndicate as gang crime gangs in different areas is absolutely fine and being a loose affiliation of, you know, like the Corleones in in New York and the the old Corleones in Sicily or something. Yeah. But actually having having the Hawala banking system so that under their control or or being run by them, just takes away any doubt. That is exactly why the syndicate is everywhere.
0: Exactly. And did you also notice that they their investigators, stroke retribution guys, are their Angadias? Did you also notice my little Easter egg that those Angadias sing with soprano voices?
1: Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. Okay, that, that's fine. That's fine. Is that because someone's someone's been dusting their Borg spheres. No, no, <laughs> the Sorry. Borg spheres
0: have not dropped. That is the point of a surprise.
1: <laughs>
0: Shall we move on from the Borg spheres?
1: Anyway, yeah, good, really good piece there, Matt. And and I love the idea of the. You know, there are there are stories that you could you could easily tag onto a a, a Hawala banker or someone, you know, expecting money from their. Uh, from their relatives or friends and the money doesn't arrive and then they've gone quiet or something. And he's like, all right, is there a problem? Do I need to go and yeah investigate or, you know, what's happened to my it, family on Dabaran or something? It
0: could be a job to, to, to courier and Angadia to from one location to another.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that idea. Yeah. That could be added to the list of jobs for traders or something. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Nice. Uh,
0: we've got a lot to talk about in this episode as usual. Shall we move on?
1: Yeah, let's move on. So, what do we have up? Next?
0: Uh, we're talking Toto next.
1: Yeah, yes yeah, so we, we had a we had a a very good playtest again this week, and
0: we should say that Toto is Tales of the Old West and
1: this playtest. Yeah, surely good. our listeners know what Toto is. Well, there now, may
0: be probably. new listeners this episode who haven't heard of
1: Toto. That's true. Tales of the Old West, which is uh, mine and Matthew's uh, free um, Year Zero engine hack. Um, for a Western game, without any supernatural elements, without any need for aliens or werewolves or vampires, it's just people doing bad things to other people and the environment and everything else. So, yes. the where, where was I? Yeah, so we, we things, had a,
0: yeah, I guess they're doing bad things to the environment as well, mining, all that sort of
1: stuff. Well, all the environment Stopping doing bad things down. to them. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's surviving the environment as well as surviving the, the bad stuff that your fellow frontiers men and women are trying to do to you so we had a really good game where uh, apart from the the beginning where we'd saved the end of season rolls and um, all of that from the previous episode because it was so late when we finished and I was too tired to do it. So we did that and that involved a bit of dice rolling. We then started the game and the game ran for about two hours and not a single dice was touched in that whole time and the guys loved it and the guys really enjoyed it, and I think it's um it's, it's not so much kind of anything particular to Tales of the Old West as a game in particular at all, but it was just uh, an opportunity to set them some moral conundrums that are sort of being carried on from earlier games that you know the players really got behind yeah. and got into thinking about you know some of the players are very much number one first we've got to look after ourselves to survive there are others. That are less, uh, are less sort of self-centered, but um, the previous episode, they were having trouble with a local uh, saloon owner called Littlefoot, Teddy <laughs> Littlefoot, and he was then murdered in there, in, in the bar that one of the characters owns, it's called the Homestead Bar, by a little a little fellow they'd met before who is the love of a girl called Patience who was somebody that, that they didn't behave terribly well towards in an earlier episode. She'd been beaten up by her father. He'd put her away so people wouldn't realise she'd beaten her up, um, her father being perhaps the number two, second most important person in the town. They were then sent to go after her and try and find her, but they weren't expected to find her, but it was just to make him look good. Trying to doing his daughter, yeah. They actually found her. They then decided to go along with... Um, her father's plan when she was begging them not to. So that was the first sort of moral conundrum that they had. Anyway, in this episode, the murderer of this guy, Littlefoot, in the bar was this girl's young boyfriend, young love, who had heard that she was being lined up to marry this guy. So he killed him, ran off into the woods. They managed to catch him and brought him back. Um, So a couple of the characters who didn't, who were like, well, he's killed somebody in cold blood. Don't care why he's done it. He was then going to be executed and two of the characters decided, two of the players decided this wasn't on. And so they affected his rescue in, a, in a quite a nice little cunning and subtle way. So we've now got this split in the group between those who are hating this guy who is uh, called Rockcliffe, and others who actually see him as a good source of prosperity because he's very rich and he's been asking them to do a certain few number of jobs. So yeah, the game's gone really well. It's been really good. The players have really got into it, trying to focus on those sort of moral conundrums around helping somebody else or helping yourself, which has worked really well. And as I said, in the last episode, they spent two hours trying to decide whether they were going to go out after this guy and try and find him before the bounty hunters who are going out to kill him um, do. So that's kind of where we got to. In terms of playtesting outcomes, I think there are two things that came out of that particular game one of both of them are around the kind of end of season process. Mm-hmm. One is it might simply be lack of familiarity and doing it over Zoom, which slows things down. But might need to look at how we streamline the end of season process. I've streamlined it once already, but does it need a bit more streamlining? Mm, I
0: think it might do. Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> I think if it if with a tiny bit more familiarity, it shouldn't take too long, but. Yeah, I think it needs looking at. The other one is the the way we're managing businesses and business roles. So at the end of each season, the owner of a business will roll a number of dice. And have a, He'll have a pool built up of certain factors. He'll roll those dice to see how well his business is done. As it happens at the moment, that dice pool is very small if you're a startup business, which means that almost certainly you're going to go under rather than have any chance to succeed. So I think we need to think about how we build that dice pool to give a small business, like... So Ali plays um, William Moyer in the game. He owns the Homestead Saloon. His character is a former slave who's made good. But at the moment, he gets one or two, maybe three dice for his end of season's business role. And the chances of getting a six on three dice is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Um, so the chances of his business growing are... Uh, are stacked against him in that. So I think we need to look at that as well.
0: Okay. I will say though, um, uh, you, you know, we might need to tweak that. I'm not saying that we don't, but also I was imagining when we set those business roles up, that more people would band together and combine their capital to make their businesses as opposed to each, everybody having their own separate business so
1: yeah there, there is that I mean so of the six characters in the game one of them started with a business and one of them has just started a business um, as a blacksmith the others aren't interested in business at all mm-hmm. so one of them is an employee at the saloon which is fine but the others have no have other means of income mm-hmm. so it's so I just think we need to think about it um, even even if we did that so it's with a starting character who doesn't have very much money, earning enough money to get one point of capital at the moment is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and one point of capital only gives you one die. Yeah. So it's so I think we just need to think about it just a little bit. It might be that the, the the pool is based on the relevant skill rather than the relevant skill offering you a bonus to the pool. I think maybe makes more sense in some in some way or another. But or there's a baseline. There's a baseline of, uh, you know, a baseline assumption that you're doing okay, you're doing enough just to get by, and then mm-hmm. the dice roll will take you over over, above, or below that line if you get a particularly good or a particularly bad roll. So anyway, I think it needs a bit more thinking about. Okay, yeah. But it's um, but a lot of the other rules we we had we haven't had a duel yet, but we have recently done a load of gambling and that played out nicely. We've got a few um, some feedback on that to tweak it slightly. We've done some chases and that worked pretty well although i think there is a risk of too many dice rolling going on in that so again might need to have a little bit of a think about how that works but but actually in terms of the game the players have always really enjoyed it and haven't complained complained about it it's just something we want to think about
0: cool and we ought to give a, a shout out to our patron saul
1: who yes um, absolutely
0: is of Mexican heritage and um, is is a sponsor, a patron at the right level to to grab the um, the playtest documents and have a look at them. And he's shared them with his family as well and come back with a couple of really quite good ideas mm. about how we can um, uh, deal with Mexican backgrounds a little bit
1: better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: The kunduro cur- is uh, or kundurat is something that I particularly like.
1: Yes. And I think, you know, Saul was was, um, at pains to comment that, you know, he realises there's no magic and there's no supernatural stuff in our game. And a curandera or curandero is a sort of shamanistic uh, fortune teller in Mm -hmm. in sort of Mexican culture. Um, But that can fit perfectly well. Yeah. Without a problem, because we do have the idea of folk healers and of of natural healers rather than sawbones. And... um, you know, even though there isn't a, a mechanic for them to actually do fortune telling, and I don't suggest that we should have one because I don't think that fits, that player could still role play it that they mm. are fortune telling. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And Absolutely. people can come to them and pay money for those for their fortune telling. And it also, really interesting. I loved the, um, the 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 little insight you gave us to how the Kurandera would do their fortune telling, and it would be with a with a bowl or a cup of water. Mm-hmm. And it would be the ripples, ripples on the surface that would be telling, telling the curandera, or curandero, curandero, telling them what the fortune of that individual is. And I love that. I never heard that before as a, as a way of fortune telling. Um, so it's really nice insight.
0: Oh, it's I have heard of it before because um, back in a past life, I played at a, a, a scryer to Dr. D and he did it in a pool of water.
1: Yeah, okay, nice. But you know, a great, great big thank you to Saul for, um, for offering and then taking the time to talk to his family and, uh, and give us that feedback. I think the other thing that, um, I mean, I mentioned to Saul when I emailed back to him was you know, we are really, really keen to avoid any obvious stereotypical or patronising pitfalls and traps that we might fall into because we don't have that kind of cultural understanding and cultural knowledge whilst we're here making a game about a different time in history in a different country to the one in which we grew up. Mm. So hopefully um, we've got ourselves a, a sounding board there so we've got a chance of, of avoiding any really obvious yeah. kind of cultural snafus, which we are really keen to do. Because we, we don't want to upset or insult anybody in making this game. We want it to be fun and we want it to be uh, as cool. as reflective of the culture and the situation at the time as we can make it whilst yeah. still making it fun.
0: And one of the things, he, he sends a quote from a book called uh, Texas Under the Mexican Flag, mm. which I really liked as well, because it fits in with our, um, remember when we set this out, one of our first principles was the West makes you.
1: And, yeah, absolutely. And this
0: quote explains that um, things that we think of as Texan nowadays, and uh, shall we say white Texan, actually yeah. had their origins in in Mexican Tejano's um, yes, and that they that they created the West, and then and then settlers moved in there and adopted their habits. So it's a really interesting, um, yeah, really interesting read. That should be.
1: And we shouldn't forget that you know, in the timeline of of the game that we we're, we're, we're doing, the eighteen seventies, there will be people who are still alive who would remember Texas as Mexican. Mm. So it's you know, so it's not that far you know far gone. Yeah, there's quite a lot of history that we've we shouldn't forget.
0: Yeah, excellent. Cool. What are we doing next? Are we talking about HMS Yamato next?
1: <clears throat> I think we are. Finally, after many weeks of uh, anticipation and um, I don't know, many weeks of waiting. Anyway, <laughs> should we listen to it? Yeah, the Three World Empire and HMS Yamato. Military strategic philosophy has many parallels between the age of sea and sail and the age of space and displacement drives. Control of the trade links in the waters, or interplanetary space, around the trading hubs are key to mercantile success. With that comes wealth and resources, allowing a further strengthening of control, in turn bringing even greater wealth and resources. If you can tap into that feedback loop of power and money, then success is assured. It's no surprise that the Three World Empire follows this philosophy to the exclusion of all others. Britannia and Japan, the leading states in the Three World Empire, and two nations with deep seafaring traditions, only have to look back to the glory days of their earthbound maritime history to see what a prosperous future they can have if they recreate that history in space. And that is what they have done. The Three World Empire's military strategists, Took the Royal Navy's overwhelming strength strategy, make sure your navy outnumbers the navies of your three biggest rivals combined, and Japan's Kantai Kessen, or Decisive Battle Doctrine, that relies on an intimidating fleet to knock out your enemy in one decisive strike, leaving the seas under your command, and your enemies at the mercy of your blockades. You can have all the colonial marines or space operating forces you want, But if they are stuck planet-side, then what use are they? But then, just the threat, just the knowledge that you could do this if you so wanted, will give your enemies food for thought, and maybe make them more willing to offer good terms in negotiation, rather than try pushing your patience too far. So, for the Three World Empire in 2180, their naval strategy is about projecting power, rather than using it. And for that, you need a big fleet or a fleet with a big reach. The Three World Empire decided to invest in both. In recent years, the Three World Empire's fleet has been adorned by three ships that are intended to shout out their naval strategy from every panel, every rivet, every hardpoint and blister, every hangar and light fighting platform. HMS Yamato was first to be launched, Empress Charlotte symbolically smashing a magnum of champagne in the time old tradition. Soon, HMS Yamato, which translates to Great Harmony, was followed by her sister ships, Musashi and Shinano, named after former Japanese provinces. Their purpose? To scuttle enemy battleships, to fight multiple targets, to outstick the enemy, as the old 20th century phrase would have it, by projecting power over a wide expanse of space, by the use of fighters and gunships otherwise known as light and heavy fighting platforms. And Yamato was the pride, the flagship, albeit her sisters are identical. A Class R vessel, at 752 metres in length, her displacement drives splayed out behind her on five heavy angle booms that maximise their effect and bring her FTL rating down to five. She's a big ship and heavy to manoeuvre, signature of plus two and thrusters of minus one. But then she wants to be seen. In fact, she needs to be seen to deliver the strategy that the Three World Empire relies upon. And she's not undefended. No expense has been spared, and her superstructure is reinforced, hull of 15, and armour enhanced, a rating of 10. She also carries a CIWS laser array and two stacks of sensor drones to hold the enemy off as well as orbital mines to seed her space with defences. And then she has her children. Four fighter decks, each containing 12 Class C light-fighting platforms. Built by the Hawker Cam Aerospace Corporation, the Z11 Hurricane LFP is little more than a mobile railgun with two crew, but devastating when attacking in unison. There are three smaller hangars, equipped with one Z11 Hurricane each, configured for silent running and reconnaissance instead of battle. And finally, there's the gunship deck, with four Rolls-Royce Swift-G P-41 Tora-Tora gunships. But Yamato isn't just a naval vessel. She carries a detachment of 90 Royal Marine Commandos, 10 Challenger APCs, and 6 Puma dropships to get them into battle. A total crew complement of 290 is needed for Yamato to be at full combat readiness, and the ship is equipped with cryodex and other facilities suitable to a ship of this caliber and fame. She is a dangerous ship to serve on, and in particular, the casualty rate among the crews of the light fighting platforms is high. But there is such honor, such pride, in serving on a vessel of this kind, that there's no shortage of volunteers just waiting to transfer to serve. She may be the pride of the three World Empire fleet But HMS Yamato and her sisters are not the only great vessels, under the Three World Empire banner, that are the envy of their rivals. Stand aside your United America's Conestoga and Biden classes. Look the other way, the UPP's Bismarck and Kuznetsov classes. Here comes the HMS Ark Royal, the best and baddest super battleship in the whole of human space. But talking about that ship is for another time. So that's great, Dave. Um, uh, everything I want, more
0: than everything I wanted to see there uh, when when I first gave you that bit of homework. Um, cool. All the way through it, I was kind of going, yeah, but you've not mentioned HMS Art Crowell yet. Where, where, where's HMS Art And then you give me, you make me wait, but then you give it all to me. Uh, so that's okay. How, um, the thing I'm really curious about, because I must admit, I haven't even read them, I don't think. Um, right. putting the putting the alien uh, spaceship rules into action to do this how was that?
1: Um, I think the first thing I'll say is Alien isn't a franchise where I immediately think spaceships no. and battles I think spaceships that people run around on being chased by aliens or spaceships that they sleep for a very long time on but the actual fighting side of it. Um, you know, it 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 doesn't come up in the movies. I I suspect it must come up somewhere in the comics or um or the books. I mean I haven't read them all, so um it, it might be much bigger in there. But it's um so I think first and foremost, for me, the alien game doesn't actually need such in depth spaceship rules. But if you are gonna have the opportunity for your characters to have a spaceship and be a hauler or something, then you might need to have something that allows you to design the ship and also allows you to fight it if it gets into a bit of trouble. Yeah, I can, why they, I can understand why they're in there.
0: Well, I can to a point, but I remember thinking when we were looking at the Alpha rules um, initially that, or oh, rather, hoping that there weren't going to be spaceship rules in the in the core book because. You know, very famously, the guys on Nostromo are just guys on Nostromo. The boat is owned by some massive corporation. They're all there to get a sliver of their share. And I I was rather hoping that space truckers would be about not owning your ship uh, and not having that independence that you do in Traveller and um, is typified, say, in Fire.
1: Coriolis. Or or in Coriolis,
0: yeah. Um, uh, That as space truckers, you are. Under, under the machine of having, uh, under the wheel, shall we say, of having a machine that you don't own, that you've got to look after.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get, I, I guess in terms of player agency in a role-playing game, that might Suck. limit it yeah. somewhat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can see why they've gone the way they have done. Although it wouldn't necessarily have to limit it. No, and it but, could, um, it could
0: be a thing that, was it necessary to have it at all in the core book? Because you know there is going to be at some point a space trucker supplement. You know, would that have been a better place to start introducing all the mechanics of space?
1: Possibly, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. Anyway, um but yeah, but anyway, so I, I, I hadn't designed a spacecraft under the alien rules before. I have done for Yamato, and um what I will do is I'll I'll write this all up and stick it on, uh, on blog? my blog RPGGods.org sometime in the next week or two I'm not sure when I'll get the chance but I'll do it as soon as I can but it was an interesting experience so I've obviously made a lot of spacecraft in Coriolis and there are many similarities between the two systems but the thing I found um, most challenging in this setting was actually finding enough stuff to fill out what your class of ship can have so let me explain so the smallest class that they give you in the book is a Class C. It's a small ship, one or two crew. That allows you to have two modules of size two and four modules of size one. Mm-hmm. Now, those modules um, are a range of things from... Um, Does
0: that include engine room or whatever? Is that a module in its own right? No, so you get your core modules, like you do in which your are things... Areas.
1: Yeah, which are things like um, hull, bridge, armor, sensors, reactor, sublight thrusters, all that kind of stuff. Um, displacement drive, if your ship is big enough to have one, um, and the other modules are things like air scrubbers and cargo bay, cryo deck, docking umbilical, uh, hangers, those kind of things. You're right. But I found, but I found, so you know, for, for a class C ship, that's fine. You don't get many, but if you move up to the to the biggest class. Mm-hmm. which is which is Yamato and your Conestoga class, class R, there you're getting five size five modules, which are the biggest ones, seven size four, and nine size three. And I was really struggling to find nine size three modules that I would want to put on the ship. And so I ended up making up um, a couple of mine hangers, which are basically where... Yamato keeps their excess mines. but you don't have to because your weapon hardpoint gives you that. Actually, has the storage and yeah. And I added a bunch of cargo simply to fill up those nine spots.
0: Oh dear! Um, Mm.
1: And similarly on the on the gunship version, where it has three size three mod modules, five size two, and seven size one. It's like when you when you get into a bigger ship, the size one modules are so small. Or the, the size three modules are so small in comparison to the scale of your ship, it's like well why 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 do I want to bother with them? Mm. I'd, I'd rather not bother taking them. So I think that yeah you know, I think there's a thing there about how you could manage that. It, I guess I mean it, it feels like a logical way of doing it that the bigger ship you are, the more modules you get of a smaller size. But I think maybe the problem is in the the variety of modules you've got to. Um, to actually choose from in the core book now they do say in the core book specifically there are more modules coming in future supplements right. so okay, yeah, it's not, it's not that they ran out of imagination it's probably just they ran out of space in the core book but certainly for a battleship there are things that um, you just didn't need uh, you know um, a salvage crane a science lab, a tractor hitch or a vehicle bay you don't necessarily need those if you are a, um, an aircraft carrier Hmm. Now I, I I decided with Yamato that it's got a detachment of commandos yeah. on it, so you do need vehicle base, so you do need drop ships, and you do need some ATVs. That's fine, but my original thought was that it wouldn't have had that because it's it would have ships alongside it in the fleet that would yes. be its troop ships.
0: Well, I must admit, my vision for Yamato was from Space Cruiser Yamato, therefore you know it was a space cruiser or battleship, not a carrier, and as I uh, yeah. Uh, as i listened to you talking about carrier there i was going nah, is going was to be my carrier but i'm now understanding that if it's not a carrier what the fuck are you going to fill it with yeah uh, what the hell are you going to fill it with just you know, <laughs> what in blazes are you going to fill it with
1: <laughs> what the yes exactly so i yeah so 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 that's that's fine um but I decided just to turn it on its head and have Yamato as the carrier, and Ark Royal as the battleship. But you know, that was that's your it's your error for making me write about it because you gave me agency to make my own mind up.
0: Well, no, and I'm, I'm, I'm entirely happy to let you do that. As okay, well. I good, just I, good. I'm not I'm not I'm not going. Oh, you've ruined it! You've turned my space cruiser into an, an aircraft carrier. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> and you know, good. I said you know we've got the flagship is Yamato. Tell me what the flagship's like. So that's fine.
1: Yeah yeah so so i so i think you know in and yamato is is with all the with all the fighters although you know the light fighting um, fighting platforms and then the the heavy fighting platforms it's got it's going to outgun a super battleship by about 20 to 1 mm. and that might be fine that might be kind of right and proper because you know a class r ship gets the same number of weapon hard points Regardless of whether it's a uh, an aircraft carrier or a battleship, so I guess as a as a referee, you could translate some of those modules into weapon hard points. Mm. Now you do get the opportunity to enhance the ship, and you can put extra weapon hard hard on as part of that, um, but that's still relatively limited. You can only put a few on. You can't put loads, so you know. And I, and I actually did for the um, for the for the light flight. For the light fighting platform, which is like, in effect, the, the, the fighter for the aircraft, mm-hmm. um, for the aircraft carrier, I did make a GM decision and allow it to have a, gave it a hard point. Because a class C ship doesn't have any hard points to begin with. So it had to have an hard point, hard point upgrade to make it a, basically a mobile railgun, gun. Yeah. Which is what it is.
0: Which is cool, by the way. And of course, one of the things about this and the firepower it's got, it does suggest that if you're a little crew of um, uh, Firefly-esque vessel, um, then you're not going to go, oh yeah, we can take that on, hopefully. (laughs) No, exactly. You're going to go, okay, they want to board us, we let them board us. Yeah. They want to bring an alien on board, we deal with the alien rather than the battleship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so it's an interesting exercise doing that. Um I've read the the space battle rules and they seem good. I quite like the some of the principles behind them. Um which makes it less of a dogfight and more of a sort of flyby, <laughs> flyby shooting kind of thing. Um but yeah, the the yeah, the the, the, the ship creation rules as as we just sort of discussed. Yeah, I mean, for certainly for a fighting ship that's got no need of my, many other bells and whistles. It was a bit of a struggle, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting, and maybe there's scope there for, or feedback, should we say, for when they do space truckers and any supplements with more, with more ships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe there should be, you know, on their ship class idea, you should have, you should have two categories: one for commercial ships and one for uh, military ships. Yeah. Because your because commercial ships... I mean, Nostromo is, what, uh, a Class M, is it, I think? And so it's, you know, quite big. Mm-hmm. But a Class M ship, according to the book, gets three weapon hard points. Now, I don't think Nostromo's got any weapons, has it? But, maybe it's got you know, some, like, asteroid defences or something. Yeah. But, again, I think narratively it feels feel wrong for yeah. Nostromo to be going around with a couple of rail guns on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it might have some point defence stuff against asteroids but apart from that i wouldn't think it would have anything because it's a commercial ship Mm.
0: no absolutely but you know even when we um arm commercial ships against pirates it's like some poxy machine gun on on the stern it's not a yeah and um, it's
1: a a few a few guards with with some ak-47s yeah mostly
0: actually often just yeah you know a rifle store um but even when they do put a hard point on it's a very small hard point
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not putting on a howitzer or something, are yeah. they? So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy doing that, and I shall, I shall put up the stats for Yamato, um, as I said, on the blog for anybody who's interested to have a look at it. Go there, go go there and have a look. Yeah, it's always fun delving into alien RPG. Frankly,
0: what are we going to do next week? You're going to build something else. You're going to give me um, HMS Art Royal.
1: Well, isn't it? Well, shouldn't you do HMS Art Royal? <laughs> A battleship Potemkin. Um, uh, well, I or don't know. Potemkin, yeah. Well, I think there's an, there's an interesting idea there about how would a UPP vessel differ in philosophy and style from a Three World Empire or a uh, United America's ship.
0: Okay, I'll take that challenge
1: on. Maybe the Potemkin is is your is your homework. Seeing <laughs> you complained that I didn't use Potemkin in my piece.
0: I didn't complain online. I complained over email. <laughs> before the whole discussion.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I just thought that, obviously, if we're talking about great battleships of history, then, um, you know, Germany being part of the UPP, the Bismarck was a bit of a no-brainer, really.
0: We're talking about a film, and let's face it, Battleship Potemkin set the standard for modern films that we watch. That's why it's <laughs>
1: the flagship. Fair enough. Well, what did well... Bismarck
0: ever do for the world of cinema? That's what I want to know. <laughs>
1: well up to you to do it justice then matt next time i've got to say
0: i did like your uh, reference to the biden class too (laughs) um now shall we um, i I was
1: i was gonna have the trump class but i thought no no that can't be right (laughs) (laughs) um let's not get
0: political uh before we get political (laughs) is it time to end the program what are we going to give you for homework
1: next week next time i don't know i don't know suggestions on a postcard please listeners
0: yeah or join the patreon join the discord and tell us what we should be talking about
1: absolutely well I'll have a think and we always find something in between now and then have you got any ideas for homework for me
0: I have not got any ideas of homework for you but I'm sure we'll think of something
1: so yes so so whilst we're leaving everyone thinking of great homework ideas for me I think we ought to call it a day today don't you Matt I do so it's goodbye from me And it's goodbye from him. And may
0: the icons bless your adventures.
1: We still really ought to decide at the start who's going to say that. Because we always both start. (laughs) Anyway, bye guys. Bye.